Good morning, buenas tardes, whatever time or wherever you may be when you're listening to this. Welcome and thank you for being here. I'm here to bring you people from various backgrounds, authors, actors, educators, athletes, politicians, and more. People that I think are interesting and hope you will too. Today's special guest focuses on bringing the most out of your business. She's a marketing consultant, live stream producer, and like many of our other guests, she's a podcaster as well. Someone who empowers other women to join the ranks of marketing. Likely the one person I know who's a bigger fan of coffee than I am. It was pretty shocking to me. The owner of All The Social, my friend, Marissa Kelly. Sit back, relax, or listen while on your morning jog. I'm Alex Atarain, and this is episode three of Candidly Human. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Candidly Human. I am your host, Alex Satarain. Very happy to be with you all today. And as always, make sure you go check out candidlyhuman.com. If you haven't checked out episodes one and two, we're on episode three right now. If you haven't checked out the first ones, make sure you go to candidlyhuman.com or go ahead and look us up on whatever streaming platform you use, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere. Make sure you go ahead and check us out. You can find the first two episodes, the first with Todd Goldberg, the second with Amelia Lopez. And now today, episode three is with Marissa Kelly, who's a live stream producer and business marketing consultant. Look, the pandemic brought up many, many opportunities. For all the bad things that have happened, you could see people going and making their own businesses and doing all these different cool things, even though being constrained at home, they have found a way to succeed. So because of the rise in businesses, I also thought Marissa is a very good resource because she goes out and helps a business figure out how to market themselves. And look, we're in an age of social media, right? So this is where Marissa comes in to make sure that a business knows what they're doing in terms to get a, uh, you know, positive results, gain a bigger fan base, so to say. So I'm very excited to speak with her. We also talk about the Fairweather podcast, which is a show just dedicated to the San Diego Loyal, which is in the USL, which is US Division 2 in soccer. You all know how much I love soccer, how much I love podcasting, and how much I like coffee. She's a huge coffee fan, so, you know, that's why we get along. We've known each other for a while, and I'm super excited to catch up with Marissa, and I hope that you all take a little bit of something out of this personal branding is important. And whenever we post something on social media, that's personal branding. It's how we are perceived by other people. Without further ado, let's get candid with Marissa Kelly. Hey, Marissa, how's it going? Welcome. And it, it has definitely been a while since uh, we last spoke. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, been probably four or five years at least since we spoke. Oh. But you know, we follow each other on Twitter. So we do. We is do. it really, you know, like, I mean, I guess, yes, intentionally, we have not talked one-on-one for a while. So. Yeah, yeah. And and I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, right? Mm-hmm. And we met each other through soccer. So we, we have known each other through Twitter for quite a few years now, but it was mm-hmm. soccer that brought us together, right? And, right? and we actually met each other in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's a testament one, not just soccer itself, but sports. Um, mm-hmm. You can follow someone that, um, you know, you think has good takes or isn't, you know, gives you some insight. Cause I know that I was learning a lot when I first, at least for domestic soccer, I was learning a lot of, and now more international soccer, I was learning a lot through that and by what people were sharing. And so it was really important for me to have people that I knew were talking about the game in a way that I would be able to learn. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it turns into other things, you know, now we're able to probably talk about podcasting and video (laughs) marketing and stuff like, you know, like so many other things, because, you know, that's the beauty of one sports is what initially brings you together. And then you can totally connect on other things. Oh, definitely. And and that's funny because I, I'm bringing you on because I want to learn a little bit more about what you do. But before we get into the meat of things, I always ask yeah. our guests kind of a random question. 
And so for you, and and because you're in this world of social media, branding and marketing, Mm -hmm. uh, you you have a lot of Zoom calls. You do this quite a bit, or at least, you know, uh, you talk to clients or even do podcasts. You've done this quite a Mm -hmm. bit and more so probably during the pandemic. But I'm going to ask you this. What is one of the most embarrassing things that you've done on camera? Oh, wow. Wow, that's a tough question. Because I don't, I mean, I guess I come really prepared to my Zoom calls if, <laughs> I, if I am thing. doing a Zoom call. Um, and, you know, if, if I am live, and this is all like, this can, we'll probably talk about this when we get more into the meat of what I'm doing. But like, I I appreciate the authenticity and, and authentic, you know, things that happen potentially mm-hmm. that might be seem, seem, might seem like slip ups, but I also understand that you know, things, things happen. And like, you can't say, oh, well, like I, that's like unprofessional or whatever. Um, or this is not how I wanted this call or this live stream or this whatever to happen. And I think it's really important. And it's funny because it's almost, um, as much as I do this regularly for my work and my business, I've done a lot less like in the last six months. because it's a lot it like drains you you know like you have to be on like it's you know imagine yourself in a tv studio and you're just on all the time like you can't rest you can't you know relax um you can't just uh you know look away you know get distracted which is happens as a human thing but when you're on live it's way more um it's more obvious right so like i try to limit the amount of stuff, you know, like there's people that want to do podcasts at night or, you know, you want to get on a zoom call at like eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, can't, (laughs) like, I just can't, like I've been on, on video all day long and my energy is like, I just want to lay down in my, in my bed. And obviously, you know, that doesn't look great for, uh, video marketing or video content. Like I want to make sure I present myself in the best way possible, you know, with proper lighting and good microphone and stuff like that. So, you know, I have said and, and learned the power of saying no. Yeah, that's, that's really important. That's really, really important. And just Mm -hmm. to kind of circle back to the original question too, Mm -hmm. like for me, like I have the really bad habit of eating while on zoom i have that <laughs> terrible and i'm not doing it today i'm not doing it today for for good reason but i'll have a, a meeting with work or something and i'm just there eating you know whatever it, whether it be chorizo con papas or like cereal right mm-hmm. and i'll have my cup of coffee and everything but i also have a bad habit of i have like a really loud gulp and it's <laughs> like it's just that's my biology i can't help it right and yeah my wife always gives me and you you can cuss on here so she gives me a lot of shit right yeah and so i just i just roll with it and then one day i was just kind of one on one with one of my colleagues and i just like take a sip of coffee and i just make like the biggest gulp and and i was wearing my uh airpods right mm-hmm. and the airpods are really sensitive and they're like right here on your neck almost so right. it gets all of the action from my throat. And my, nice. my coworker just kind of looks at me like, whoa, that was real whoa. loud. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. But I think, again, it happens. It's all part of the process. And mm-hmm. things are going to happen. It's natural, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it things happen in the classroom, in the office, whatever. Same thing is going to happen on Zoom. It's still a professional environment. And we're still mm-hmm. human. And just to kind of go back to what you were saying about saying no, I think there's that nice flexibility of having to do everything from home, right? Like you can, Mm -hmm. you don't, you can get up, like, let's say you have work at 8am, you can get up at 750 and just open your laptop and boom, you're ready to go, right? Right. You don't have to do all this preparation, take a shower, do your hair, everything. It's funny you say that because I, I, you know, most Mondays I do have calls. You're actually my first call, you know, and I don't know when this is going to be aired or whatever, (laughs) but, and I don't know if you mind us saying it's, you know, middle of the day, but like, this is my first call of the day only because I was exhausted, like Saturday, basically. I was like envisioning my Monday 
and I'm Saturday day I'm like okay like I don't know if I want to wake up and like start having calls early like we had already scheduled this but I had two calls before this earlier in the day and I just rescheduled them because I was just like I just can't like I'm my body's tired right now like I don't want to get on camera so I like rearranged my schedule but that was like two days in advance it wasn't mm -hmm. This morning at 7.30, 10 minutes before the call saying, hey, like I got to reschedule, right? So it right. allows people the flexibility. And you're right, you know, like I used to do like the rolling out of the bed at 7.50, <laughs> but now I've just learned how it really is important to like get up, you know, and like yeah. I was out of bed this morning at like 6.15 and, really? you know, got my coffee and like got some, a good breakfast and, you know, and like, I just feel like, ready for the day got a good amount of sleep you know versus you know i don't i have done the thing where i just roll out of bed and i'm just not as focused or productive you know so i think that's right you still have to have a schedule right a set schedule where mm -hmm. you're as productive as possible and i right. totally understand that too like you want to be able to produce but it's about respecting yourself too so you you knew saturday right. you're like this monday is gonna be crazy so, mm -hmm. you know, take a step back and you, again, there's that flexibility, just giving yourself that respect and mm -hmm. that space to best perform at, you know, whatever capacity right. you can do it at. I, th I think the, the word that I'm picking up that you're saying is respect, which is, it's, you know, I say space, you know, giving yourself grace, you know, but respect is a big thing because you would respect your client's time, you would respect your peers time, but why not respect your time too, which is exactly. a lot of people don't respect their own time because they're just go, 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 go. And they don't realize, you know, before they're like maybe burnt out or disengaged from what they need to do, whatever they're doing, you know? So, yeah, I think the pandemic has allowed me to respect my own time a little bit more because I was working mm -hmm. like 60 hours a week, two different jobs. And yeah. it was, it was busy. Like I loved what I did, but it burns you out after a while, especially when you're working six or seven days a week, like you don't have any breaks and between right. going to work and also driving, going from one job to the other, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. So just kind of switch gears a little bit. Cause again, we've been talking a lot about zoom, you know, still <laughs> respecting your time and doing all this stuff. But what is it that Marissa does? exactly what what is your day-to-day -day operation um in the simplest form I'm, I'm a marketing consultant so i do the things i consult them i you know it's a strategy but um i'm very much focused in the last year on live stream event production so what does that mean if you have um not just a podcast but something like a, an online summit, you're doing, you're delivering some really valuable, important information. Um, and it needs to be produced in a way that looks professional, but also, you know, your speakers are professional. The sound is good. If you're, you know, whatever the, you know, and I, I'm going to use the word show because there's not really a simple way to say it, whatever the show entails needs to be planned out so we're going back to that whole like preparation thing which i love because you know a lot of people will say you know and they tell you go just go live right just go live but i'm working with like a bigger organization you know big like nonprofits, people that are getting grants um, there's a lot of like red tape sometimes when it comes to the information that they're sharing so it's important for like everyone um, that's going to be on screen to be prepared in a way um, that it delivers what, you know, the content that's needed. We're working with like, um, you know, one live stream, one of the speakers was the president of, president of the NAACP. So like if he came on the stream and like his audio was off or his, you know, his camera wasn't right and was cutting his face off, like that's not good for, for him as a personal brand, but also the organization that had him speak, whether or not they were paying him, I'm not privy to that information. Right. But like, it does look bad for them too, you know, if they want to use this in their email or their newsletter, like, you know, whatever it is, it's, I'm helping produce an event in a virtual space. Uh, by checking off all those boxes. So that's the simplest way to say it. Um, but 
being in business for six years, um, there are a lot of things that I, that I can do, um, and help people with, uh, in addition to just the live stream production. And, and you did say, I did, what, I'm trying to think of the word that you said, but there was one word that I really caught onto it. It wasn't performance. Mm -hmm. Was it, it was a, it was a, a show. It was a show. So yeah. every, mm -hmm. every production, yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's, it is a show. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, right. it's almost entertainment right like in in one way it's entertainment even though if it may be uh uh informational it's still something that mm -hmm. has to be visually pleasing yes right like like the last thing you want to do is have something that once people look at it they're like uh you know this doesn't look good and people tune off or tune out uh, mm -hmm. it's that just what it is yeah i mean if you imagine, like, if you're watching, like, a late night TV show or you're watching, like, the evening news and, like, your uh, news reporter was fumbling, you know, um, um, saying um a lot, not really, okay, like, well, uh, I guess we'll go to this part of the segment. Like, it just would look unprofessional in that sense. So um, one of the things we do is, like, do um, um, a run of show. So like your run of show is like a production term and it's essentially as simple as like an agenda for your, for your show or production. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I say show because people are like, Oh, you know, you're on social media. It's a show, but you know, a lot of these topics are not, um, they're not the most lighthearted uh, subjects, especially within the last year where people are really seeking information to get educated, you know, and as much as, um, you know, we all have our own personal experiences with, uh, you know, the, the heavy topics like systemic racism and, you know, anything, you know, care, you know, I don't know, politics, even, <laughs> you know, we all have our own experiences with that. But when you're presenting it to a larger audience, you have to make sure that everything's like, you know, succinctly said, but also like you're not having someone ramble off uh, something that may not be representative of the brand or the organization, right? So it's not, hey, let's just get together on a Zoom call and, you know, make it go live to our social channels. Like there's a little bit more of a preparation in that sense. And that uh, comes across uh, as you're doing the preparation, like people know and understand that the importance of it versus here's the link let's jump on it this time you know so um it's a it's it's cool it's a lot of behind the scenes work um which i i like i don't mind being on camera but i do i do like um you know managing things from like the big picture behind the scenes yeah and, and let me ask you this so in most productions the hardest part mm -hmm. tends to be pre-production right it's all the preparation yeah. and even like let's say if you're doing a uh, theater, it's it's all the rehearsals, tech rehearsals, mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into the show, like once you're actually performing, it's all downhill from there. That's actually the easy part, yeah. right? Would you mm -hmm. say that's mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. the the same thing for you? And then what's how yeah. do you kind of prepare for such events? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you're. It, it's a good analogy because when you know like a theater production uh you have all the people all hands on deck right they're doing the set and they're doing the you know how does it look visually are the the actors and actresses like do they know their lines you know do they know the the run of the show right and then you know those actors and actresses still get nervous i think when the before the curtain opens so it's similar to <laughs> this when it comes to digital because the work you know it the worst case could happen like my internet could go down right and or someone on the speakers could go down so you kind of have to prepare for everything so the hardest part um you know for me is or like what I do to prepare is like I make sure going back to the respect I make sure I make enough time for myself to get into the mindset of like, all right, like the show is on for me, right? Because I'm the one pressing go live, essentially, you know, and I, I still get nervous. It's so interesting because I like know how to do this. 
and like I'm prepared all the way, but I still get just as nervous as probably someone that be, be speaking and I'm never on camera because it could go wrong, right? So you have to have, you know, that open conversation with people and say, okay, well, if this happens, like who's going to be back up? And like, you know, if the feed goes down, like what are we doing? right because you don't want to make it seem like you don't have those bases covered and people are okay with things going down you know and having these problems because i've been on a few events where that's happened it's 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 technology right but um you as a professional or me as a professional or whoever else might be listening like they're trusting that you're going to make sure you cover those bases um and also communicate that you know before a production and like what it what happens if you know which is it kind of goes against my uh my holistic way of living which is living in the present moment but uh me as a professional you have to talk about the what if right what if this happens and stuff like that so it's part of preparation mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. you, you want to make sure that everything is in line and if something bad happens you have a solution at the ready right like you, you right. you're thinking ahead which is which is great that's in any production you want to be prepared for the worst worst case scenario mm -hmm. and it's funny that you also mentioned that you get nervous as well i think that's just kind of across the board before an oh, event yeah. before something goes on you want it to be perfect and because you put all this effort into it you mm -hmm. want to make sure that your baby makes it all the way through without issue. And if you right. do have those issues, you already thought it through and you made it a fix. And hopefully uh, th there mm -hmm. are times where, yeah, maybe there may be an issue, but people watching people to involved don't even notice. And that's even better. They don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there has been a few things that have happened, but like, it's all the people that are like behind the scenes that may have noticed like a little hiccup, which is, you know, not, not as uh, obvious to the audience or you know if you're recording a video and you make a mistake like they don't necessarily know that you made that you weren't supposed to make that mistake or fumble your words or whatever it is you know so well as long as as long cool. as the audience doesn't know it's all good <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and if they do know you could put up a, a slide this is a okay, we're having technical difficulties, we'll be right back, you know, and give ourselves some, um, you know, some leeway in that sense. Hey, we're human, you know, and I've seen, I've seen so many creative ways. I think now that we're able to talk more candidly about mess ups and like, you know, things, especially now that we, you know, everyone's home, right? So like, there are going to be mess ups, but I think just being open with that, I think people are more um, forgiving and respecting of that versus, oh no, like this is perfect and everything's perfect. Like, no, yeah, no, <laughs> it's not it's how not. we are as humans. <laughs> so. <laughs> and, and I love, I love the fact that you used uh, candidly because I mean, this is candidly human and we, we want to get those conversations in, right? We want to be able to know that there are experiences that again, it makes us human and things right. aren't always going to be perfect. And sometimes, again, it's good to have those conversations and more so now because I think communication in one way has had to improve because mm -hmm. now you're not in person every day. So mm -hmm. if you're working in an organized setting, you have to be communicating with people consistently and in a very clear and concise manner that it's, I think, hopefully, in my experience, it's evolved yeah. That. And I think dialogue has maybe shifted in another direction because, again, we have social media, too, where uh, dialogue is very uh, different than it is in person. <laughs> That's but, a good way to describe it. <laughs> but I do think that, um, especially in politics, we've seen the um, rhetoric from social media take mm -hmm. form verbally now. Where yeah. we have, and that's that's regardless of which side of the spectrum that you sit on, we still see it mm -hmm. on either side. I mean, I'm not going to go to the extent that to say that it's the same, but there's still those issues. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, I want to. I want to touch on that one point you talked about communication and how we've had to like kind of you know really focus on that. And um, 
you're right because we don't have the verbal cues we don't have like the if you're talking to someone like one-on-one -on -one, you know you might have the video call but like you're not in person with them and you can't like judge their body language or you know like I guess you could fake how your body language is on on video on zoom but or you know wherever on your live stream but you know you you have to be more intentional about how you communicate and really I, I think what this whole thing has really been able to do for me as a professional, but also being so active in social is really just to listen to people, you know, and like listening, meaning like looking at their tweets, right? Like looking at someone's tweets and not necessarily being so reactive to like what you were saying, like about whatever uh, side of the argument you fall on, you're just like, okay, they're saying something, there's obviously some hurt behind it, something, you know, some experience. Be curious about why they're that way. And like, it really does open up more conversation versus like, wait, I don't agree with you. That's immediately, you're like, imagine doing that in person. Like you say something and then I'm like, I don't agree with you. Like straight up, like loud voice, like confrontational, like puffed up. Like you're not gonna wanna talk to that person. But if you're in person and they say something that you don't really like, you're like, really? Why is that? You know, and it's like, why don't we do the same on social? Sometimes I think people are just so like very like, oh, my God, I have to I have to say my point. And it's the same thing. Like someone's saying their point and um, really that they're, they're probably just wanting to be heard. Really, honestly, you know, that's all we want in life. Dialogue. You know? That's so. important. Mm -hmm. it's very mm -hmm. very important and I and just to kind of go back to that too is if we're will we have to remember are we willing to speak to people a certain way on social media but then when we see them in person are we going to act the same way right mm -hmm. like we have mm -hmm. to remember that if we're going to treat people one way in person maybe we should treat them the other way in, right on social media but People feel really compelled being keyboard warriors, right? Mm -hmm. That's just that's just how the current environment is. But again, it's good to have these conversations to remind people, tone it down a little bit, just mm -hmm. a little bit. And more so like, okay, you can have a tweet and you can kind of be bombastic with it. Mm -hmm. But also like, I don't think if, it, if it's like really direct at someone, okay, maybe you're going a little bit overboard. If it's just mm -hmm. kind of like you just kind of, throwing something out there. I don't see so much of an issue with it. I just think mm -hmm. that the attacks on one another, like direct attacks is mm -hmm. where there's like a real issue. Again, there's no, there's no yeah. dialogue on social yeah, media. And I, I think one of the things that I learned over the last year, um, it was actually in one of my meditations and it's um, there's like, basically when you say something, whether it's in a tweet or in person like there's you know there's always that pause that one little small like millisecond before you make a reaction and there's always three gates that these pass by is is it true like are what you is what you are is what you're saying true um is it kind you know like and we're not all kind like i'm not necessarily the most kind person all the time but you know i do have that moment where i think like should I say this? Like, is it necessary? And then the third one is, is it necessary? So is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And if you answer um, yes to all those, then okay, post it or say it, right? But if you, if you have any hesitation, like that, that small second where you're just thinking about that can totally change how you interact with people because, you know, is it necessary to say like, oh no, you're wrong? Like, maybe that's the truth for them. Right. So you never know. Right. Even if you disagree wholeheartedly based on your research, your personal experience, like to them, it's right. It, to them, it, it is necessary to be saying a certain thing or mm. acting a certain way. So. Yeah. And it's it's all about perception. Right. Like, how mm -hmm. are people going to perceive you when you tweet something out? And mm -hmm. that kind of now just shifts me over because we're all creating our own personal brands, right? Like that's that's just right. who we become on social media. And you work with brands and you work with people and your job is to control in a way how they're perceived mm -hmm. on social media. Right. And one of the things that I found really interesting about you is 
your focus isn't so much on Twitter or on some of the other big platforms. Your specialty is, for one, you, you do a lot of Facebook Live stuff, but also mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's what I always found interesting because I don't, LinkedIn is a very peculiar social media site because it's very business-oriented. But as I sat down and started thinking, I'm like, well, you're working with businesses that are trying to reach other businesses and other people within that industry. So this makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like this actually like, because yeah. I, I, again, I just thought it was really different and kind of odd to me because I, when I think of social mm -hmm. media, I think Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, mm -hmm. but your approach fits the niche audience that you're trying to work with. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you, everyone who I talk to that's like a solopreneur or like, you know, really it's hard for them to understand that because they're very much in like, well, how is this going to make sales? And it's like, well, it will, if you are one active and engaging and two, like you're not inflammatory to the sense where it's going to reflect badly on you as a business owner or whatever. And I get it. Like people can view their certain ways, you know, there's certain things that you, that they may not want to talk about. There's certain things that they want to talk about. There's very serious topics going on in our society right now. And all the discourse, like I do encourage that, but are you ready and prepared to have those conversations? If you're not in a public setting where you can get both sides, then don't do it. You know, like it doesn't, it's not part of your personal brand. Like, you know, I, it's, it's the simplest way to compare your personal brand in business is if someone's walking down the street in like old time America where we had, you know, or wherever, you know, it doesn't have to be America, but like a street, right? With all the stores and you walk into a store and you're looking around, oh, okay, like they have this thing or like, you know, let's say it's a home goods store, right? If someone's behind the counter on the phone, like, yelling at their like child or yelling at their their brother you know because they're having an argument like you're gonna be like okay this is awkward i'm going away and leaving right but if they're like engaging with you like hi how are you you know how's your day like what's going on why are you in town blah 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 like it's they're being curious about you so intense in that then allows them to form a relationship with you and then hopefully eventually buy. Like how many times have you went into a store not intending to buy, but they were so nice and they were so like welcoming that you formed a little bit of trust and said, okay, I'm going to give back to this. It's the same thing when it comes to digital, but it's really hard to like evoke those emotions if you're not being present online right? Like if you're not involved in these conversations, if you're not engaging, like it's not just, Hey, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Buy my stuff, buy my shit. Like, <laughs> here we go. Buy a link. Like it's, you're talking to people, right? So it's, that's the easiest way I can explain it. But a, a lot of people are too afraid or don't want to hire someone to like be their person to help them do this. Yeah. And a lot of people have their vision, right? Again, their business is their baby. So mm -hmm. they don't want people touching that idea, right? So I right. think that where, where you come in is to flesh out that idea and let them know like, hey, you can do this, but I wouldn't recommend this that you're doing right, right now. And, and I, I assume that you try to do this as nicely as possible. That mm -hmm. way it's like, okay, maybe we push them in that direction. But for you, what are some of the biggest like pushbacks that like owners kind of give you when you're trying to help them move in a – uh, in a direction that you feel is best fit for their businesses. Oh yeah. Um, you know, talk about this all the time is one of the biggest pushbacks is what's my ROI, um, which is return on investment. So if they're investing in me, who's a six year, you know, solopreneur veteran of marketing and understands, you know, I understand e email marketing, not to brag. I know how to do websites. I know how to do email. I can do social media. Like, all of these things, because I've had to learn them on my own to help promote my business. You know, one of the big pushbacks is that investment. Like if they're going to invest X amount of dollars in me per month, how their questions like, well, how many sales will I get? And I said, well, we don't know yet. We have to start doing it and then decide, is this the right strategy? Because does it align with your business as your brand? Are you going to have me do it 
every day or is it every other day or are we doing like a clubhouse chat or you know now twitter space i mean there's so many different avenues and um you know that's one of the big pushbacks because people especially right at the start of the pandemic were coming to me and asking me about in my opinion the most simplest things that were like facebook pages like can i have a facebook page i'm like hey, we've been like, you've known me for years. Why are you thinking about this right now? Like, you got to think about innovation, right? Like we're not, you know, if you go down the street, there's the analogy of down the street in all the stores and no one, that store doesn't have a sign on their door and tell people what they do. How are people going to find out about you? Right. Like that's the simple marketing base, but you know, but then there's sales, right? So I'm marketing but I can do sales. I just don't, I, you know, that's more like, okay, that's your baby. Like, you know what to sell and you know how to sell. You're more passionate for that, but I can help you get to that point where you would have to sell. Right. So they're two separate things. And I think a lot of people just think automatically I'm going to invest in marketing and it's going to equal sales. Mm, They're two separate things. (laughs) (laughs) It's about making it look visually good and sending the right message. Right. Yeah. I, that, that's what, what marketing is, is all about. It's conveying the message of what the business is providing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think that's one of the hardest things too to do because you can provide this great, great product, but if people don't hear about you, then right. it's all for nothing. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. And that's where you come in. Yeah. And I, and I, it's really simple in my opinion is just make sure you have all the, um, all the things down, you know, like you have your business cards, you have potentially an email list, you have your website, your social media profiles. Like those are simple in my opinion to set up, but you have to set them up. Like what what are you offering? What are your services? Like who are you serving? Like, and some of these things don't come up very easily. So it does take some, you know, accountability group or working with a professional. Um, I'm not a branding person. Like I can help put your brand online, but I'm not going to like go through your whole branding guide, so to say, right? Like that's a whole separate, uh, and there's people that do it. Um, I just, that's not where I want to serve people. Um, But I am able to ask those questions when they do come up like, hey, like I'm gonna build this email landing page for you. Like, what is your um, bio? Like, and some people don't even have a bio yet. So, okay, do we have the right one? Are we, where, where am I taking this information um, from? And, you know, it, it, you're right. Like all of those things need to be set up. Um, and then I think, and then it comes down to conversations like you and I are having, you know, you connect with the right people, you talk to the right people. Um, and, you know, especially when you're starting out because you can get, you can work in, alongside people like I would love to have people work alongside me um the thing is like I can't always like teach someone like the proactiveness of my personality right like I can teach you skills but there's not always the same Mm -hmm. um tenacity so to say right so like there's a lot of things you can learn but I, I just don't think that there's like one solution for everyone um that's just my did i go off on a tangent there yeah, no no I it, it, no no i i, I got you <laughs> I, I get you i get you it's there's not one simple solution everybody's business is different and you have to tailor yeah their marketing strategy towards that like you're gonna have your own personal way of approaching it and mm-hmm. your tools your set tools that can help get to that final endpoint, that solution that hopefully brings them that uh preferred ROI right but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's all different it's you're not going to market a coffee shop the same way that you're going to market let's say for example even another type of restaurant or like let's say a 24-hour restaurant right like it's yeah they're both food and beverage but they're two totally Mm -hmm. different entities that are providing uh or that are marketed towards two different types of uh people right it's all different. Right. And the and the coffee shop could be owned by someone that's like a local like 
celebrity so to say in a specific like i've seen coffee i love coffee shops by the way so i'm glad you brought this up but like a lot of coffee shops like locally here have like this built-in coffee community so they launch and they're like already built in like customers already but then the restaurant might be with an executive chef that's like really top notch but they've never done any personal branding which is like relationship building to bring people into their restaurant in the beginning right so they're starting from like i've never interacted with anyone and now i want people to like sell out right and like i want to be packed every night which is unfortunately it's not unfortunate but it's it's unrealistic to think that that's going to happen because you gotta put the sign on the door and then you gotta shake hands and kiss babies right like that's Hopefully we'll get to that soon once all of this <laughs> lockdown stuff is, uh, Hopefully. you know, changed. But yeah, that's, you know, one of the essentials of business is shaking hands and kissing babies, they always say. <laughs> so <laughs> just hygienically, that's not the best idea right now. But we're yeah, almost there. Right. We're almost there. We're, right. we're, and, and for reference, <laughs> for those of you that are listening and don't know, Marissa is based out of San Diego, sunny San Diego. We all love San Diego. Yes. And I love coffee too. Like I love coffee and I'm actually right now in the process of moving to LA and I'll be, I'll be, I like going to San Diego as much as I can. So Mm -hmm. here's what I want to ask you. Give me, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the opportunity to plug some of your favorite coffee shops there in San Diego because it is for my own personal research as well. Okay. (laughs) Um, So backing things up, uh, a couple of years ago, I created this um, hashtag on Instagram called how do you like your coffee tour? So basically, anytime I go to a coffee shop, I tag that tag. So you can always go to that hashtag and find all the coffee shops that I've been to or um, even out, out of San Diego. So I try to do it, you know, anytime I go somewhere, um, I go to a coffee shop and make sure I tag that. But anyways, that's a side note. And that's fun. That's a personal brand thing for me, right? Because I love coffee. And it's also fun because I can look back on that hashtag and be like, oh, remember when I went to that one in Seattle and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Anyways, um, so San Diego coffee shops. I'm going to give a shout out to two of them that I've most recently frequented. Um, Mixed Grounds is in, in... is on imperial avenue okay so it's like uh close to downtown you know kind of in an area that's up and coming they have like a record player in there and um they roast their own beans and the first time i went in there was a couple weeks ago and they the owner was there and so he was like super talkative and like really welcoming and i was just like oh this is nice like it was i think it was 8 a.m in the morning that i was that i went there super fun nice designs oh and super instagrammable walls which is like i think super important for any new business you know make Mm -hmm. sure you have an instagrammable wall because i think it's free publicity right right um and then the second one is um called garden coffee and this is in old old town anyone listening has been to old town there's a lot of like little nuanced stores you know like little you know, like if you want to get ceramics or you want to get um, dulce, like Mexican candy, right? You can go to these little areas uh, in Old Town. So there's one coffee shop that's like hidden behind these little like stores and you go in the back, it's like all thrifted um, furniture. So like you can tell that it's like rust, it's almost like you're in an antique store and then they huh. serve coffee in like um, hand-me-down mugs, right? So like clean mugs, but you can like, She's like, okay, so which mug do you want today? And so that I think is really cool because you can choose like what your vibe is for that day. Like they had one that's like had an M on it. So of course I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to pick that one. <laughs> and then the other day it was like a one with like a fox on it and it was kind of chilly out. So I'm going to get that one. So it's like, that was just really cool. But it's like, they have like tons of succulents and like, um, it looks like you're almost sitting like in a really nice backyard with because it's like covered too, right? So it's like your backyard deck, right? With coffee. So it's called Garden Coffee. It's really cool. Garden um, Coffee. Okay. So I'm going to have to remember both of those. And I can yeah. always come back here. And I did look up the hashtag too. And now I know. I know it's there. And I've seen that there's other people that use it too. 
So yeah. that's kind of cool. So yeah. l- look at you, you're uh, like a real influencer, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an influencer. Sometimes, yeah, you know, when, when someone says, oh, yeah, I like that that jersey, like so- going back to soccer full circle, it's like, oh, I like that jersey. I got it. And I'm like, yeah, influencer. I'm just going to call myself <laughs> an influencer because I am. I well, can be. <laughs> what's your what's your prized jersey? Like what what's your favorite one? Ooh. That you have? That's a good question. So during the pandemic uh lockdowns, I, I got I got like three or four and I have this thing about winning jerseys and winning stuff on Twitter <laughs> oh, for some reason. I won two jerseys during the pandemic, which is like abnormal, right? Like <laughs> yeah, right. Um my most prized one i would probably say so i have a a arsenal um hector it's no did i put hector on it i don't know i got it originally without anyone on it um and i think i wore it originally without anyone anyone's name on it um but i wore it at my first match at the emirates um last february february 23rd right before everything locked down i was there so um that's my pr- most prized one just because we won. It was my first match at Emirates. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think it, that one will ever be topped. And yeah, I did get the name on it um, like two days after because I had not decided who I wanted to put on there. And I just made a decision <laughs> while I was there because they do the naming thing inside the store, you know? Oh, that's so cool though. So, so cool. And to win two of them during the pandemic, pfft even better and now just kind of going back to sports so you're you're involved in quite a few things so on top of doing Mm -hmm. all of your marketing stuff you do you have produced your own podcasts and you also Mm -hmm. do the fairweather pod uh yes for those not familiar uh the san diego loyal which is a usl that's a u.s division two soccer uh it's still professional it's still Mm -hmm. top-notch entertainment for sure and the San Diego Loyal is headed by Landon Donovan. Everybody knows right. who Landon Donovan is. Mm-hmm. And you're very much involved with that. The podcast is dedicated to the team. And what mm-hmm. kind of got you into doing that part of it? Yeah. So I've always had, you know, like we talked about behind the scenes, and I've always had an interest in podcasting itself. Being involved in the soccer community here, I was always I guess I really never was involved in the X's and O's when it comes to breaking down the essentials of podcasting or soccer, because I'm just kind of like new to the game. I don't play, you know, I played when I was little, but like, it's maybe it's a self-limiting belief. I don't know. Uh, But I really always, uh, you know, every conversation that I have, like, I'm really trying to like bring out the community part of soccer um i'm involved with the epl group here and we do like charity events twice a year you know uh, giving back to the community so i'm always involved in organizing stuff like that so i think from from my perspective i will say that i brought a, a different perspective into the podcast into fairweather um alan who is the guy who came up with it um wanted to start one he approached me when uh, we met for the first time at um, the naming of the supporter group. So, you know, I think we had followed each other already on Twitter or whatever. And our mutual friend um, DK had suggested maybe that I that I would be interested in being in a podcast. And then we brought in Chris, who is originally from Southern California, wanted to be in on San Diego Loyal. Um, but he lives in New Mexico. So I think between the three of us, we all bring, um, Chris and Alan are both very like heavy on the X's and O's and I'm learning still too on that. Like I I'll watch a game. I'll, of course I'll, I'll know if there's something being scored, like a good pass or whatever, but I'm just not as well versed in that, but I bring in a lot of extra like community, like culture type of conversation. Um, and that I think is is a good mix for all of us because we're, you know, all from different backgrounds. You know, we we didn't know each other well before the podcast started, which I think is a fun thing to do because now it's like we we don't podcast for a few weeks and we're like, oh my god, I missed you, and it's just <laughs> like only because we got together because of the loyal. 
So thank you to Landon Donovan and Ricardo and everyone at San Diego Loyal because it really helped me one also understand the USL as a league. Um, you know, and if you're not familiar with USL, like we definitely make sure we touch on, on those things that might not be well known um, because it is division two um, professional soccer. Um, but also, you know, you can learn about things that happen in San Diego too, not just what's happening in the game because our podcast, well, we do video cast streaming live to our Twitter, but also the podcast comes out like a day or two later, which is usually three or four days after the matches. So it's like, if you didn't already break it down or you didn't watch it live, like that might not be the best way to like hear about the match because we'll also then talk about the upcoming match. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not like a immediate breakdown, like let's see what happened and why they didn't do this. You know, it's more so like uh, the culture of loyal as a whole and the community too. Yeah. And you mentioned the supporters group, uh, the locals. So yes. the San Diego loyal, the locals being the supporters group. And it's been mm -hmm. so fun to watch because I'm, I'm out here in the Palm Springs area. So I don't really get to be involved with stuff like that because yeah. again, it's a, I don't have the money to be traveling to San Diego every weekend. <laughs> you know, I, right. I wish. I mean, if I had the money to travel every weekend, I'd probably just live in San Diego instead. But right. again, um, <laughs> it's it's always nice to see things kind of building from the bottom up. And I know this, the San Diego mm -hmm. Loyal kind of came from a lot of these issues with San Diego sports. Right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of mm -hmm. issues. We're not going to name the team that really... <laughs> Uh, and you and you were really involved. You were involved yeah. with um, prior mm -hmm. to this team leaving San Diego, and yes. I, I know that uh, that one hurt you a lot. It hurt a lot of us mm -hmm. quite a bit. But San Diego yeah. Loyal, which is a great organization that is very vocal too, like their their branding and their marketing is mm -hmm. very very uh, vocal, and yeah. and you could see it from. Everything that happened with uh, other teams that up to twice it happened twice two mm -hmm. weeks in a row mm -hmm. was it uh, that yeah. they that the San Diego Loyal had issues with uh, mm -hmm. racism and homophobia. What really pleasantly surprised me was how vocal Landon Donovan was, because mm -hmm. again this this is a guy who many would consider probably the greatest U.S. Men's National Team player ever and mm -hmm. probably the most iconic MLS player ever. You're looking at that and you're seeing this guy's taking a stand. And it's not like he's far removed from playing the sport either. Like right. it, it's right. He's still very much involved in it. And for him to kind of take center stage and of his stature is a little bit, uh, for lack of a better word in my mind right now, just it's different. It, it's it's kind yeah. of a, fre a breath of fresh air mm -hmm. considering, you know, again, like homophobia and racism again. No, like that's just right that's it yeah it's not happening <laughs> yeah no i th i mean it you you bring up well one i'm like super proud of the club for the way things um were handled um at least at the games standpoint i was uh i was lucky enough to be at that match when uh, uh the last match of the season with the incident that went down between phoenix and um colin martin uh phoenix i forgot the guy's name I don't remember his name, but um, yeah, um, you know, it was interesting to see everything played out on the field, you know, and look, you know, I was able to be there, um, thankfully, uh, as a, as a media member. So thank you to, to San Diego Loyal for that. But also like we were, you know, we were just kind of like stunned We're like, we weren't sure what was happening because you can't hear everything on the field and, you know, whatever. Um, but then I heard later on that, like, you know, they were planning to do something together with Phoenix because of what had happened the week before with Los Dos, um, you know, on the field. And then this happened and they were, you know, they had to take a stand because if you're going to go and say, oh, we're taking a stand, in I think it was like the 70th minute or something they were gonna like stop and like make a statement or whatever. Um, I think hold up a banner or something like that. Um, 
you can't have that happen at the 46th minute or the 47th minute, like in extra time mm -hmm. and then just say, all right, well, whatever, like, we're still going to like stick to our, to our planned, um, you know, our planned, uh, protest. It wasn't going to be, a, they weren't going to like walk off or anything, but they were going to make a stand. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I applaud them for, for sticking to that because I think, um, you probably wouldn't see that pre-San Diego Loyal. Um, I think it's been very, you know, good that they've been in this situation where they have been able to be a voice um, for certain things that need to be talked about. And like I said, like have these conversations, like we can't just paint a, a brush and say, okay, well, this whole Phoenix organization is racist and homophobic like we don't know that each person but it does force us to have those conversations with you know the, the gentleman who said it with their entire team the coaches you know all of that um and hopefully that'll have a ripple effect throughout the league just at usl but also an mls and mm -hmm. nationally and you know i think national soccer gets the most <laughs> the most publicity um, in a, I guess, in a bad way, in my opinion, sometimes, uh, because of their lack of uh, success on the field. You know, there, there's a lot of good things happening at the local level, which I'm, I'm glad we're put into the limelight in, in a way that we probably wouldn't want to say, okay, let's have something bad happen that's really hurtful towards this one player and all of his teammates. But you know, it did, it did force us to have these conversations and uh, make changes. Yeah. Hopefully. Sometimes you, you have to be put in those tough positions to mm -hmm. really uh, take a stand, stick to your guns. And that's what Loyal did. And I think all of us can be proud of what they've, uh, they, they've become a, a good example of what to do when facing the, like facing those situations. And also for you. So, Look, we, we always talk about, like, sports being very male-dominated, right? But I think that's when, – when people really – it comes down to it, that's a lot of industries, right? A lot of industries are very, very male-dominated. Mm -hmm. male and I know you do uh, work with getting women more involved and doing a, a lot of empowerment. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell me mm -hmm. just a little bit about that and, uh, you know, let me know what – even my, somebody like myself can do to get more people involved and, and create more spaces at the table. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking that. Yeah. I, you know, I've, we talked a little bit of tech stuff in the beginning, you know, audio, video, stuff like that. And I think, you know, you're right. It, it's not just sports. I think it is, you know, in a lot of different um, industries, there is, there is that difference. Um, and I, I don't know if it's, you know, generational, um, it's habit, it's who you know. Um, I think when it comes to, in, if you are sincere about including women, not just to check off a box, because I think that's a load of BS sometimes, you know, cause I'm like, I just don't like, I don't want you to just check a box just to, okay, like I did my part, you know, like you don't, you may not understand, not you specifically, but if anyone's listening to this, you know, that's not what, that's not what the goal is. The goal is to like be, have a seat at the table, you know, bring us in, you know, these, especially when it comes to sports, I'm seeing so many, I mean, a lot of my peers like speak really well about soccer or, you know, baseball. A lot of people are like, one of my good friends is she does a lot of NFL and basketball talk and, you know, they'll, they'll do a show or something like that. And, you know, it's up to her to push herself and say, okay, like, let me sit at the table when there's people out there that are doing these things and they're just not even inviting or thinking about it. Cause they're just thinking about like their club and like their people that they know. And I challenge people to like, be curious about that one woman that you might see, or like go to organizations, you know, thankfully, like I've been able to, you know, partner with nuts and bolts sports, which is where I got my writing career, not career. I don't have a writing career, but like when I started writing, cause I was like, okay, like, I guess I'll stay behind the scenes and write about sports, you know, about that team. We're not going to talk about, but I still, you know, I still see that like a lot of the women that are writing really good things, like they're not being invited to like radio shows or like, you know, 
bigger organizations are not really supporting them up until maybe like last year where I started seeing more people, right? And mm -hmm. I think, you know, one of the things is be curious about the people that you do follow or that interact. Because I can tell you that there are people that just see your tweets or see you interact, but never say anything because they just think that you're not going to even be responsive to them anyways. You know, I'm guilty of it too. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I should interject because saying that I don't know about this or that I want to learn about it, like it doesn't necessarily align with, you know, maybe they don't have the time to teach or, or educate. But I think it, it, it all comes down to like being curious about others and then also forcing those, those conversations, you know, get uncomfortable if you have to ask, you know, someone like that. I think it's super important. Um, it's important to be curious all the time, right? Like yeah. it's always good to learn. If you don't know something, that's something that, cause I teach. And if somebody asks a question, it's like, good. I'm glad you asked that because maybe somebody else had that same question. It could be the same thing on social media, whether it be about sports, anything. If you see somebody else's tweet and you want to know more about it. Yeah. You have Google, but also you can create that relationship by mm -hmm. asking them and you never know. Maybe they don't know as much and they pull somebody else in. And now you got a group conversation going. It, it snowballs. You want right. to create those connections with people. Don't be embarrassed if you have a question. It's mm -hmm. go ahead and ask. It's fine. Right. Yeah. And I think if someone were to maybe not react in a way that, you know, maybe they're dealing with something, you know, I've seen some conversations where people are asked and they they're just so used to being attacked online that they attack back when someone asks a genuine question and so it forces people to not ask questions again they're like okay well i guess you're having a bad day i'm never gonna ask you but like you also have to understand like that's nothing you did like you didn't do anything to them as long as you're being curious or you're doing what you need to do um then I wouldn't necessarily worry about um, their reaction because that's something they're going through, you know? And if you just keep that in mind, then I think it'll, it'll make it easier to ask questions and be part of conversations that, that matter, you know? So. Absolutely. And so I, I think overall, just ask questions and if people ask you questions, be nice. That's it. Yeah. Like that's yeah. they're asked, if they're asking a genuine question, answer it in a genuine manner you know mm -hmm. reciprocate what they're giving you right um well don't do that to trolls because then then that's you, you don't <laughs> want to reciprocate that it's just an ongoing cycle it's not fun don't do that it's terrible idea uh so <laughs> personal branding again personal branding how are you going to brand yourself are you going to brand yourself as a person who's going to kind of be a dick about it when they're asking you a question or that person who's approachable personal branding. <laughs> yeah. And I, th I think people get scared about that, but it really is, it's there because there are certain people that I've seen, you know, online, you know, they've, they've even asked me like, do you know of any jobs hiring or, you know, whatever, whatever. And I see them online and I'm also like, Hmm, maybe I, maybe I should tell them, maybe they should tone it down or like, do they think that maybe other people might be seeing their tweets and not referring them jobs or wanting to work together? You know, you know, I've had to really kind of be more mindful of all of that because I work for myself and, or I want to partner with certain people that are, you know, might, might have an issue with, you know, what I put out there or if I, if I'm being kind or inflammatory or, you know, I can have tough conversations without being inflammatory, you know, so. Yeah, just it's a bigger discussion. <laughs> yeah, just be nice. Be nice to people. That's that's what it comes down to mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So, Marissa, thank you so, 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 so much. Uh, let us know where we can find you. Yeah, you can find me um, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, on LinkedIn. Uh, my personal is hashtag Marissa. That's spelled out hashtag Marissa. I'm sure it'll be in the link somewhere. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Marissa Callie. And uh, I think there's only one now. There was one a couple of years ago, Marissa Callie, and she was in digital marketing, which is really weird. We were like friends for a little bit, but uh, <laughs> she deleted her profile. So 
yeah marissa Kelly on uh on linkedin if you want to connect that way and talk business well thank you so much and uh i think i'm going to be picking your brain a little bit more as i move forward maybe maybe i need to work on my personal branding we'll see <laughs> well thank you so much marissa yeah thank you for having me i appreciate it We've made it through yet another episode of Candidly Human. A huge shout out to Marissa Kelly for joining us for this interview and to you, the listener, for sticking around all the way through. I appreciate that a ton. Make sure you check out candidlyhuman.com. You can find all of our content there. Or if you want to look us up on any of your favorite streaming platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, more. Check us out there. Just look us up. Pretty simple, candidly human. Or make sure you follow all of our social media sites on Facebook. Just look up candidly human. Or on Twitter and Instagram, look up candidly human US and you'll find us there. And make sure, go ahead and follow me on social media, Alex Satarain. Look me up the real Satarain. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even on Twitch if you want to follow me there. So make sure you tune in next time. I'm Alex Satarain, and this was Candidly Human.